Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. It is amazing, the invitation. And today we're, gonna, we're really talking about it, really through this whole message you're going to hear. I, I hope you hear this, hear this theme of, of invitation. We're doing this series called Overcoming You. And if you weren't here with us the last few weeks, that's okay. We can catch you up on a few different things. I'm not going to re-preach any messages, but you can go to ctk.com or ctk.church actually, and click on North Bay Campus. And you see the, the recordings there for, for the messages. But the weeks that we covered last, if you weren't with us is, first week we talk about overcoming our feeling of inadequacy. I think all of us struggle with that, don't we? We just don't feel quite measuring up. Uh, overcoming our need for control. That was one week. That was, a, was many people responded to that of how, how to let go. And then last week we talked about overcoming our right to be offended. And so if you didn't like that message last week, well, listen to it again. And so... <laughs> You can't, that, you, with that title, you can't go wrong with that, can you? But today we're going to talk about overcoming our, really, really this whole needing of approval. We're going to talk about the need for approval or longing for approval in our lives. And I think the longing part, I, I think it starts back, I don't know what you, it starts back really beginning of our school days when we had to do something very courageous. We, we took our lunch tray from the food we gathered and we went into this massive crowded room and we scanned the audience, we scanned the, the crowd, we scanned the whole room, looking, looking desperately to find a friend or somebody we know, somebody has an open seat at the table. And, and even you, some of you are like years, decades gone by, you're like, oh, I remember that feeling. I remember that just like, well, is there a place for me somewhere in this massive crowd of people? And, and you look around and you've got this kind of group of people here and this group over here. And do I, do I fit with that group? No, I don't fit this group. And then those people who I don't think I want to sit with them, but wow, there's a seat to sit there. I got to sit with somebody. For some of us, we, we, we scanning, could not find anywhere, and we panic, and then we just dump our food tray and go out and, 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 and hide in the library till the bell rings. Now, some of you go, that's pretty specific, like, live that. I know that feeling. I know that feeling. And here's the thing about it all. It's like, we've graduated, but boy, those feelings are still... Bring us back to middle school. Bring us, bring us back to those, those insecure moments. But really what is this, this desire, so desire to find our place, a place to belong, longing for approval. Whether it's on the, the, school, the school cafeteria, the, a prom, a freshman orientation college, joining a new staff at work, moving into a new neighborhood. How about this? As we just heard about joining a small group. We all long for a place, a sit, a place to sit in the lunch tables of life. Because there's a deep down desire to seek approval. And if I think of any of all these things we're talking about over the last few weeks of overcoming, this is the area that I struggle the most. I'll be honest with you. I, I struggle the most. I, I care way too much what people think of me. And so as I look back, maybe you can look back, but the theme of a lot of my life problems, 
the complication of relationships, the stress, the worry, the concern, the, all that goes on in my life, it stems back to this longing for approval. I want people to like me. I want, I want to be accepted. And I don't know about you if this is true, but this is an issue. Now, what is it behind all that, though? Well, it's something that God has given us. God has wired us for relationship. God has wired us to want to be loved, to want to be accepted, to want to be, to be able to fit in. And yet, due to original sin, we always go back to the garden where mankind sinned and, and we were born in this world, a sinful but very insecure world around us. Our egos get involved. And, and so what happens with that, we can have a tendency to, to people please. You could call it the disease to please. That you just, you side in such a way that you really truly care about what people think of you. And it take us, takes us to unhealthy levels of seeking approval. So here, here's just the question to get us going. Are you a people pleaser? Are you a people pleaser? Now, should I, you even raise your hand? Should I, you know, do, do, you know, you get like, oh, I don't want people to know. So it, it, we all, we all struggle, right? Like even, even asking, are you, a, I think I am. Am I am, homie? I don't know if I am. So, but here's the thing. How do you know? Well, some of us kind of like, where do, where do you teeter? I have a little, I want to give you something, several signs of people, please. And they're on your program. You can put a yes or no next to them. It might be helpful to do that. But just so, so you can relate with this. Here's a few that I think you, you probably will relate. First might be this, is it, whether, whether you're a people pleaser or not, is you crave compliments. You crave compliments. You're looking for the, the attaboys or way to go. You're looking for the pat on the back. And it's not like you ask for them, but when you don't get them, it seems like the oxygen in your life is cut off. You feel like you're just not feeling good about yourself. And you look back, it's like, I'm not really getting the feedback. And, and, and so social media just takes it to a whole nother level because you post something or sent something and like, oh, wow, three people commented, you know, and then your friend over here has got a hundred people. Like we do this, like we get caught up in this. How about this? You self-promote. If you're people pleaser, you self-promote. You, you can hear this in other people. When you, you talk about, I did this and I did that. People give their resume. Sometimes I'm with people and they just kind of tell me everything accomplished. Like, well, I'm Dan. Nice to meet you. Like they just, they just something about promoting themselves becomes a big, a big deal or they, they try to make themselves a big deal. You, you have difficulty making decisions on your own. You're, you have, you have opinions because everybody does, but you're careful to share yours. In fact, you want everybody else's opinion and you want to weigh them out. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with getting feedback and making, especially making big decisions on that. But you can't make a decision to save your life. You always are looking at the consensus of everybody else. And so you're actually not really even honest with yourself and who you are because of that. And inside what it does, it brings a lot of anger and animosity because you feel like you're trapped. Another one might be this is you're, you're often overly sensitive. A hundred people could give you a compliment. But it's that one, that one comment. It's like a dagger to your insecure soul and it just hits you and you can't let it go. And with that, you can, you can get easily hurt. You get hurt easily. And what that, a lot of this has to do is maybe it's not hurt in the sense of like someone's doing something to you. What's worse for you is you are ignored. You are passed over. You were not considered for something or someone inviting it into a relationship. Everybody else did this, but you didn't do that. 
That makes a huge, brings hurt and wounds to you. How about this? You, you, you hate confrontation. Uh, you, you, you maybe had a, an issue with somebody and you have, you, lose, you have sleepless nights that you can't, you keep on compulsing about it, but you don't do anything about it. You actually don't confront that person, have a meeting and, and work it out. And so what, what happens is you live with a lot of unresolved in your life and it's very, very defeating. How about this? You, you always fall for flattery. And it works like this because there's people that persuade you. They manipulate you in this, this way. Oh, you're so good at that. Can you help me do that? And you get pulled in and it sucks the very life. They're takers in your life and they take you and you just you get squeezed dry because of it. How about this? You have a hard time because of it saying no. Someone says, hey, can you help me do this? And inside of you, are just like, no, I have no time. There's no way. And you just go, sure, what do you need help with? And as you say yes to that person, you only can say yeses to so many people because then it turns into no's to others, and especially people that are really responsible to, that you're responsible for. And as a result of this, this is a hard one. You, you, you compromise your values. At the end of the day, your, your very integrity is actually in question. Because you live in something that you're not. You're trying to be something someone, to some other people that you're really you're not. So it affects your integrity. It affects your morals. You compromise your values. Uh, it happens at work. And everybody's doing it this way. Everybody's showing up late or whatever. And, and, and you kind of go with the crowd a little bit. And you go, well, I'm not in middle school anymore. No, you, you do that in every place because peer pressure is still very, very important to you to please people and get the approval of people. You don't want people to look differently at you. And so we all at some point want to sit at the cool kids' table. We're trying to find our place, aren't we? So you probably go through that list and you're like, yes, yes, yes. Some of you like, oh, not so much. But we find there's a spectrum that's there in all of us. But, but it really comes down to this obvious question with all of it. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Well, I think it's obvious in a sense is this, that the bedrock issue for all of us is that we need value. We want to be validated for our life. We want deep down to know that we matter to someone, anyone, so that we find purpose and significance to our very soul. And so we get desperate for validation. And with that, as I mentioned earlier, peer pressure becomes a very strong force. It doesn't matter what decade you live in now, it's still a strong force. And so with that is if we don't get it in a, in a more healthy way, we can get it in a very negative way. That's how gangs are formed. That's how people join cults. That's why some people are with abusive people. So that's why we, the old 70s songs, looking for love in all the wrong places, is, is fulfilled because we're desperately longing to find approval. And the reason we're, we go after the wrong places and head down the wrong path is we have not come to the full realization of based on where we belong, but really comes down to who we are, our very identity. I really believe this. this is, I think this is an important truth for us this morning is this. Our longing for approval is only ultimately fulfilled when we know our true identity is found in Christ. Why do you think about this? Our longing for approval is only ultimately fulfilled, only ultimately satisfied when we know our true identity is found in Christ. And it's there we find peace. It's there we find our trueness of who we really are. So that's what I love about the Gospels. I love how Jesus rolls. I love how Jesus walks in that cafeteria of life, and he's not looking for a table to sit with. He starts his own table. 
and he has all confidence of being God himself, say, hey, I've got a table over here. Come, and I love this word in the Bible. It says, whosoever's. Whosoever would like to come and sit with me, I want them to be a part. And I love that Jesus doesn't go after the cool religious kids. He goes after the people that no one really is inviting them to the table. It might be people out there that just, just don't quite fit. They just don't found the place to go. And the, but they're people that are longing and desperate to find a seat. One of my favorite and the many of the callings of the disciples, they all have unique ways of calling. Uh, one of I love is Matthew. And I love how you think about this. Matthew wrote Matthew. And this is what he wrote about himself. In chapter 9, it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at, at the tax collector's booth. This is how Matthew describes himself. Here he is sitting here. And Jesus comes along and sees him. And I love how he saw a man. It doesn't say, oh, I saw a tax collector right there. See, tax collectors were, were no good anybody's. Like, no, no, nobody liked, liked tax collectors. And, and now some of you are like, I really don't like tax. You know, you're getting like, I just got my W-2 in the mail the other day. And I'm like, oh, don't mention taxes. Well, if you've got that kind of animosity about it, guess what? Back in the day, it's a whole nother thing. Because tax collectors are actually uh, extorters. They would have these little tax booths, like toll booths. You go through like a, a freeway, a toll booth. And what it was is no one regulated what they're charging. They, they worked for the Roman government. So, so, so Rome wanted money to pay for roads and to pay for, you know, taxes, money, go to build bigger army and all that. And so they would, they would collect money. But what it would do is that the tax collector, he would, there was a portion that needed to be paid, but he would jack it up. And so he'd get his cut and you could show up going through one day and it's, it's 10 bucks. And the next week it's 20 bucks. He, he didn't care. He, he, no one was telling him what he, what it was to charge. So he was a low life. No one, no one wanted the tax collector to sit at their lunch table, okay? They, they, that was not what they desired at all. And yet Jesus comes to him and shares these amazing words that changes his life. And even, you think about it, even our life, if we're willing to obey them, is this. He says these two words, follow me, follow me. He told them, and Matthew got up and followed him. What, what did Matthew do? Matthew knew of Jesus he knew who he was. There was a coming a point in time that says, I am going to follow Jesus. And Matthew followed him into the mission that God had for him. But what drew Matthew was community. He got, he, Jesus says, you belong in my group. I invite you to come and be a part of who I am. And I tell you, that's the invitation for every single one of us. Jesus is at the table. He's inviting us in to come and sit with him and be with him. It's always invitation. And Jesus calls the whosoever's to come. And when we do, just like Matthew did, change takes place. But here's the thing. Change doesn't happen overnight. We're invited to Jesus in relationship. But over time, the work of Jesus to become more like Jesus, we spend time with Jesus, happens. And it was happening for Matthew and happening for us. And one of the things we're getting over is not getting our, our approval from from mankind, from everybody else, but as we follow Christ, our approval comes from, from God that gives us this through a relationship with Jesus that our true identity is then found in Christ. But it, it's not a flip of the switch, a snap of the finger. It's over time. You know this already. And I know that in my life to get out of this disease of police. Well, here's some thoughts to help us kind of move forward. If you desire to follow Jesus and you were, you were just kind of like exhausted for trying to please everybody, here's some thoughts to help you do that. First is this, 
You can put this in. It's to recognize that fear of man, you know what it is? It can be a trap into not trusting God. Recognizing that the fear of man can be actually be a trap of not trusting in God. See, Proverbs tells us this, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Snare, it's caught, a trap is there. I remember Kind of probably close to kind of my rookie year as a pastor. We were actually meeting over at the school at the time. We started part of being part of North Bay. And, and there was a gentleman there that I, I respected at, at, at the time. And he seemed to kind of want to be a mentor to me. And, and, and so when he was in the, in the audience, when he was in the, in the service, there's, he just stood out a little bit more going, as I'm, I, I thought this, what, I wonder what he's thinking about what I'm communicating. Because he would give me feedback. I'd get over and he'd tell me, you know, things to improve or whatever. And, and he was just kind of at the time, I, I did respect his opinion of that. And I would say probably too much. Because after, after the service one day, he comes up to me and he goes, I heard the best sermon this morning. I'm thinking, well, you know, I, I felt like it was good. I mean, I felt like, but I don't, I don't know if it was that good. I mean, I was the best. I mean, thinking of myself, but I was, you know, at one point I was going to say, gee, thanks. And he goes, oh man, T.D. Jakes this morning. You know, watch, you know, you watch some sermon on TV before he came. Like, thanks, buddy. You know, really appreciate the compliment there. You know, like, uh, the, the, but how many of you know God was humbling me? And, and what it was more of a concern looking back at that, I cared way too much about what that guy thought of me. I cared way too much of that. What mattered was, and you know this, it was God thinks of me and what God wanted to be communicated to the people that were there and all the people there, not just this one guy. What, what, what happened? There was a snare. It was a trap. Fear of man will provide that here. And it's interesting, the word snare, it's actually translated hook. And it was what they put in the, the nostrils of a pig. And they would, they would basically, that's how they control this animal, this snare, this, this hook they pull around. Here's the question I have. Who's, who's yanking your chain? Who's pulling your chain in life right now? Who's, who's got a hold of you? Is people pleasing, you know, think about, is, is there certain, not just people, a person you're pleasing more than you're pleasing God. Well, guess what? When you do that, you're elevating, you know the story, you're elevating that person more than God and you're, they become your God. That's idolatry, right? They, they, they become more important. And we can do this in so many different ways. It might be one particular person or it could just be, it happens in our roles. Like even as parents, I, and, and, and man, raising our kids, it's, kids are demanding. We love our children, but we also like it when they sleep too. It's like, we need a break, right? They're kids, but we give, we, we, spend, we pour into them. And sometimes, right, we find our identity in them. And we can find this temptation that we want our kids to like us. I tell you, down that road doesn't go, we, they can't be our BFF because guess what? They need a guiding force. And we actually lose respect with them when we try to people, people please them. As, if you're a student here, and if you're consumed, if you're consumed with what your friends think of you, what you're posting, what's happening here, you're more consumed of that and concerned of that. That is your God. Those people out there that are liking, commenting, is your God more than God himself? They become bigger God. If you're, if you're a leader in a business, you have all these critical opportunities to influence and, and, and make a difference, but you as a leader have to make the tough call. And when you make a decision, sometimes it's not popular. There's actually people that don't like you. 
They don't like your opinion. They, they leave. They walk out. They're mad at you because you had to make the right decision. Why? Because a leader makes the right decision and they can't people please. But if you're trying to get everybody's opinion and everything, it happens. It, it breaks down really quickly, doesn't it? And it falls apart in your life and it comes more stress. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're consumed with more people think than really trying to get the approval of God, you'll never get there. Fear of man will provide a snare. What does it say? Whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. Also know this, who we really are, who we really serve reveals who we would rather please. Who we really serve reveals who we rather please. Think about that. Who, who are you serving? I remember several summers ago, or it was a beautiful, sunny summer day, and I had, had the day off, and I was up and, and, and wanted to know what the family wanted to do, and kids were you know, younger, and they're, they're still at home with us, and, and they were, I, I, my son got up, and, and I said, Bud, what do you want to do today? He goes, oh, I really want to go to the mall and grab this certain, certain video game. I'm like, oh, yeah, we can make that happen. Those, like, you know, kind of said, we'll do that, and then my daughter got up, and she goes, oh, I want to go swimming. We got to go swimming today. It's so nice out. Like, oh, yeah, honey, we can go swimming, and then my wife got up, and I asked her last. Oh, dummy, right? Oh, man. <laughs> She goes, well, we're not going to do all that. We got chores to do. Oh, man. The kids are upset and your chores. And they're all looking. Everybody's mad at me. What happened? The very lesson is this. You try to please everyone. What happens? You please nobody, right? And that really is what takes place. And that's why Apostle Paul it tells us that our identity is not to be in what others think of us. But it's really how our identity is found in Christ. He says this. I love it how he says this. Obviously, he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Again, who are you going to serve? You have that choice. You can't serve one over the other. And, and priorities. When God calls us to serve, and it doesn't mean we don't serve people, but ultimately, whatever we're doing good, whatever we're doing is, is ultimately we're serving God. Your job, yes, you're working for somebody, but you're ultimately working for God. As a student, yes, you're studying to get that grade, but you're doing it under the Lord. All these roles that we have are ultimately that God is the one that we're pleasing because guess what? He has the final authority in our life. And it comes down to this, is realize that we already have approval. When it comes to seeking approval, in our, when our identity is in Christ, we already have that approval. You know, I know we need approval on a report card, a vacation request, or whatever that we're seeking approval officially in, our, in, our, in the roles of our life. But it was so awesome. Jesus has already signed off on our life and what he did for us. There's no higher permission now to be validated in the calling he has for us. Paul spoke this confidently. People were wondering where Paul gets his authority. And there's this challenge of, does Paul people please or does he fall? Listen to what he says in, in, in 1 Thessalonians. He says, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God, what does it say? Who tests our hearts. Comes down to who really signs your report card in life? Who really signs your paycheck in this, in this life? It's God. God is the one, the approval that we seek after. But we already got it. We already got it. We already got it in what, he was, what was accomplished. We can ask for approval 
for, for many things in life, but we need to understand it's already been done. In fact, in, in a few moments, we're going to celebrate how he's done that and completed that for us. But what is saying, when, we're, when we know our approval comes from God and he's the final authority, our identity becomes in him. It becomes about pleasing him and to please a good, and we sang it earlier, a good and perfect father. I remember when I was a kid, my, my, my dad, I loved it when my dad showed up. He couldn't make it to all my games, uh, baseball and basketball, I, I, but he was there. He was in the stands, and I knew my dad was there. It was, it was really a great, a great thing. But my dad passed away actually 35 years ago this Tuesday, on January 29th, 1984, only 14 years old. My dad was gone. And I tell you, in the dark, dark, dark days and years of there, I'm so grateful for others in my life, which was my, my uncle, my dad's only brother, would show up, and he had a big family, lots of kids, and he had a lot of responsibilities, but he would show up to my games, and he would come out of the stands, come onto the court, pat me on the back, say, great job, Dan. Say, that means a whole lot. And it reminds us of this, that we all, we all want that approval. I don't care what your age is. You want that pat on the back, but it comes from God himself. God is the great, perfect father that I love even how Jesus modeled this. When he, when he came out of the when he came out of the water in baptism, I love the Bible says that he, there was a voice from heaven that says, this is my son in, in whom I'm well pleased. And I love that as, as, as he's saying angels, everybody looked down and he goes, that's my son right there. Look at him right there. And I would say that for our lives as well. That's how God sees us. He looked down through our identities and found in Christ. He looks down upon us going, there's my son. There's my daughter. Look, look, come on. Angels, come on. Take a look. Look what's happening. I'm so proud of him. That's what God, how God sees us all through the lens of a relationship that we have with Jesus. And because of that, think about this, because of that, guess what? Is this finally, we can experience the freedom of who we are meant to be. We can experience the freedom of who we are meant to be. I love how Matthew, he's, he's accepted this call to follow him. It creates an interesting lunch table. Because it says next, so when Jesus, when Matthew started following this, is when Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors, think about this, now all of them are getting together, and sinners came and ate with them and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? There's, there's got to be inflection there, tax collectors and sinners. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But to go and learn what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. I just love this. I love that people who are nothing like Jesus like Jesus. And I love the fact that when we're with Jesus and we become like Jesus, guess what? We're not the holier than thou's that we're separated. Guess what? We actually become attractive as well. Do you thought about that a little bit? Sometimes like, oh, I'm going to be more like Jesus and like, oh, and, and it's going to be so different. These people aren't going to relate. No, actually, if you're more like Jesus, think about this. You're actually even more relatable because Jesus is Jesus, right? And he attracted people, nothing like him, but there was an inviting presence of Jesus. He says, come sit at the table. In fact, Matthew becomes, and I love Keith and Carrie and Viola, they're hosting small groups. Actually, Matthew was one of the greatest small group hosts. 
I mean, he invited all his cronies to come over. He invited all his friends to come over and be a part. You got to meet Jesus. And when he did it, transform his life, transform his community. It was there. There was a place to belong. I don't know about you. I'm so glad I have a place to belong. I'm so glad that I'm part of a church here that invites me to come. But I'm so glad for the Thursday night. And you, you saw my, the group that I'm a part of, my wife and I are a part of. And there's a place for us at that table and in that living room. We're invited to be there because we belong. But I would tell you this, that table, that invitation that Jesus gave to us and be part in relationship with him, and this, this lunch table of, of acceptance he invites us to actually comes from a very, another very significant table. In fact, you trace it all the way back to why we can sit with Jesus and be at his table is because of a very, very important table. It's called the Lord's table. The moment here, our ushers are going to, they're getting ready. If you can prepare, our team's going to come as they do. We're going to take a time around a table, the communion table. And I know we're in rows right now, so you got to pretend with me. But we find the communion table a significant place. We find that communion is a time and it's an opportunity to know and understand that we are truly welcomed and accepted. This little meal that we share together is a big, big deal. Our ushers are going to serve you here. And as they do, if you are new and you're not sure where you are in your faith in Christ and you're not sure you want to, don't feel the pressure. Don't feel the pressure. Just let it pass you by. This is an important, significant moment that we do as followers of Jesus that's formed in our very identity of who we are. So I encourage you as you receive, hold them. Don't, don't, don't need of it. We'll, we'll do that together here in a couple of minutes. But as we do, can we sing this song of invitation that Jesus gives us? And then we'll continue on. Let's do that together as the ushers come. As much as the invitation is to come, I have to let you know that you don't qualify to be at the table. Anything that you think you've done, anything that you try to accomplish, uh, if you've attempted in a religious way or good works way, or you think you're just a really good person, you don't cut it. And I don't cut it. That invitation that ultimately is to come and sit at Jesus' table and to be with him is is there because of what Jesus did already. That Jesus bought your seat. We sang that it was bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It was purchased. The Bible says you are not your own. You were bought with a price. See, when Jesus gathered with his disciples that, that evening around a table, that table was a table of acceptance. That they, were, they were following him for many years. They, they were learning and they're growing and they're understanding. But they, they didn't realize that the ultimate price to sit at the eternal table, to sit in the, in the presence of, of, of Jesus forever was going was gonna to be a price. A price to be paid for, for them and for us ahead. And I love how Jesus foreshadows that and all he shares to remember what he did for them and did for us. Jesus held up the bread and he says, this is my body that is 
to be crucified, to be put to death so that you may have life eternally with me. Eat in remembrance of what I'm going to do. Let's do that together. Jesus continued on and, and around that, that table, the table of, of these men that he poured himself into, but he wasn't done. He was to accomplish what needed to be accomplished, to buy their lives, the seat for them that they didn't qualify for and we don't qualify for. That seat that we bought, we, that because of our sin, because of our corruptness, we were not pure and holy to be at that seat. And Jesus knew that. And he bought that seat through his blood. His blood that be shed for all mankind's sin. And what he said to them is because of that, drink in remembrance of me. Let's do that. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, that the sweetness of your acceptance. We taste it. We taste it of what you've done and what you accomplished, that you bought our way to be with you. And yet, Lord, we live in this sinful, insecure world, and we battle with approval, Lord. We battle, we battle, we battle, Lord. And I pray that we, even from this moment on and as we go into this week, Lord, that you would equip us, Lord, that you would remind us of what you did for us and what you accomplished, that we can have the final approval that we receive from the Father because of you. You signed off our life. And therefore, Lord, we do not have to seek a higher approval for anyone else, from anyone else. Lord, what matters is that you love us. What matters is that you accept us. What matters is that you bring us in relationship with you. Lord, we're going to go into this new week and we're going to have go as we go in all the different relationships we have at work and school and our neighborhood within our own church body and our community. Lord, we're going to be interacting with people and we're going to have, Lord, that temptation to want to seek approval of others that is going to be unhealthy. Lord, will you help us? Will we, Lord, will you help us to stop in our tracks and go, wow, Lord, what matters is what you think of me. And Lord, what you think of me is you want me to love that person the way you want them to be loved. You want me to help that person a way that I'm to help them based on my identity is in you, that my people pleasing can be put aside. So Lord, all that I do that I please you in all that I say and then all that I think and all that I go about my week, Lord. It's all about seeking your approval. And Lord, I have a feeling, Lord, that when we do that, when we seek first your kingdom, you say, and all these things will be added to us. Lord, you'll take care of all the needs and all the people around us when we do that, when we get that right. Because Jesus, you did what was needed to be done for us accept acceptance, full acceptance in you. Lord, if there's some here today that have not fully accepted you, they would say yes to your invitation to come follow you and that you would change their life, Lord. The 
as you've changed ours. We thank you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name.